Hello again, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Again here, you have your host for Talk Architecture, Naziati Muhammad Yaakob, who has just published the sequel recently, today, on the topic of SketchUp and other 3D software are not the answer to architecture design skills. Okay, having said that, I've also um, learned of some new terms. And for this podcast, the title is The Survival Brain versus the Learning Brain for Students of Architecture. Now, this is something that is taking in the ideas from the previous podcast, which I mentioned just now, sequel to the first one on um, 3D digital softwares um, and how the softwares became a preoccupation, um, what the software can do is substituting um, the skills needed to be developed by the student of architecture. Yes, I said it, substituting. It is, um, in a way, a, for some student of architecture, a, a lazy way to actually, or a, a shortcut to actually um, present something and to not really work out properly the architectural drawings uh, such as the plan and the section together. Yeah, in, in architecture de design development and detailed design, working out the plans and the section and the elevation together manually is really important. These softwares are used for, uh, shall I say, production or to experiment certain textures, such shadows and, and daylighting and in other aspects, it's not meant to be substituting the real work that is needed with being the ability to use, the ability to manually draw your plans, section and elevation together. And even doing the models as well to actually come up with architecture design that has scale, composition, volume, space and detail. Yeah. So... This particular podcast is focusing on uh, the uh, on what happens in the studio. You have the tutor, and this tutor probably has about six to twelve students to take care of. Nowadays, quite often, ten to to fifteen even students to. Um, to take care of in terms of uh, seeing them for crits. And it could, and sometimes, this is from my own experience, like two days a week, because a student could see you on Monday and see you on a Thursday, and so they would develop the drawing in between. And there are times when they really develop them quickly, and there are times when they're sitting on them and trying to make decisions and they don't have much to show to you. So they would uh, delay or not see you 
frequent enough or maybe see you once a week. So basically, you have about half an hour to one hour to see a student based on how much time you have. I have been tutoring in a, in, in a, a private university or college before where I see maybe 30 students per day. And so I, I had like 10 minutes to see each one of them. And, you know, I just ask one question and they, they, sh they, they answered it and then they just show their model and then they go off you go and then next, next, next. Obviously that is not really satisfactory for both of us. But whatever it is, it's about the tutor and the student. And in a way the tutor is the master and the student is the apprentice. That is traditionally how architects learn, the master and apprentice model. So what I learned from this particular thing that I learned from social media just now was a psychiatrist, um, a young psychiatrist, um, relating about the difference between the survival brain and the learning brain. When she, when she was a student in medical school, she was presenting something. And um, the way she presented, she wasn't having any feelings, so she doesn't feel for it. And it's sort of like a robotic way of presenting. And, and the way she, she did it, she, she didn't feel good about it. And a tutor set her aside and, 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 and spent an hour explaining to her that she's actually using her survival brain. Now, there were other comments uh, presented in the social media saying that, is it to do with anxiety? Is it to do with stress that you, you didn't actually, <coughs> you were using the survival brain rather than your learning brain? So... You can imagine the second year student in architecture who hardly, uh, they, have, they, they haven't really, you know, they still have, are learning. And then you ask questions of them. Uh, where are the plans? Where this concept? Where are the details? And what are your ideas? And they are stuck. So they're actually working on what they know, which was in the first year, for example, what they had learned and and they they regurgitate that process, but you want them to be to to do a process that is will have be more helpful for them and which is more architectural rather than what they learn first year, for example, yeah. So you know you don't know um, students of architecture they don't really pick it up pick up exactly what your expectations are when you see them in the beginning, second, third time they meet you. After a while, you you give the input, like what the tutor did for the psychiatry student, they gave input that you have to use your learning brain. Everything is, 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 the gray areas need to be actually addressed. It's not black and white, you know. So that's quite common for students, university students. And in this case, psychiatry and architecture, maybe both have case studies. So case studies are quite similar in a way that there is a case that you need to study and you need to observe and analyze and present those cases. So same, architecture also do that, but in this case, it is to do with like a building or a form or the architecture of uh, precedence, for example. We, we use a lot of precedence and models before us, architects that designed buildings before us, which maybe uh, yes or not 
okay, uh, similar to what the brief is being asked for for the student. But, you know, sometimes if it is a mask and then they, they show the mask, it's easier to show a similar case study. But if it's a building that, um, for example, we had the meditation space before and the students would actually need to define what a meditation space is. So when the student first come to see us as a tutor and and we'll look at what they have to say and uh, there is still not yet plans section and elevation. So, okay, now next week, you'll just have to produce the sketches for the plan section elevation. So they, eventually they will. And the way they go about it, they want to justify their form. Sometimes it come out of the blue where they, they were thought in the first year, some sort of how to produce the form in terms of form making like an artist rather than like an architect. So that's the thing that um, I want to point out that in um, in the previous episode, I was talking about how if there was strong in the manual drawing techniques, plan sections and elevations with their model making and treaties, rather than they do sketchups, which may, uh, may sort of shortcut or a way to cheat, yeah, or a way to, <laughs> it is a way to cheat. People say, why is saying that they cheat? Yes, it's the way to cheat because they may not know it, but they are cheating themselves. You know, this is like, um, I have to say this because that's the reality of it because you, you keep on cheating yourself again and again and again. So you're not really actually being able to design properly like an architect should. Yes, an architect learn a certain way. So the master who is a tutor need to point that out. You're not doing the right way. Now, there are many tutors who are asking the student to do right, the right way, but students sometimes they would um, delay or they won't get inspired. So they would leave the last minute when they will use the SketchUp to go and resolve the problem. And then we end up having this debate about where the student's work came from, but they could be very well a SketchUp artist. They could very well be a person who knows to do SketchUp very well. And somehow it gels the concept and the SketchUp. But you demand the 3D drawing, uh, sorry, you demand the plan. And that's not the point, you see, when you talk about the students arguing it out later and they get away with the cheating. Or it is not a cheating that is copying or plagiarizing by cheating out of using a SketchUp, okay, that the student is cheating themselves in a way. But as a tutor, what are you going to do? So you would insist on manual drawings, but there are a few students who would want, that, that I told you that, that would not want to do that uh, if they can. And they, they don't want, so these students are not interested in being an architect. So if you have like uh, 10 students under you and one or two students are not really interested in being an architect and somehow they will pass part one, that is fine because you're saying that 20%, yeah, or because it's two students out of 10, it's like that. That is quite uh, reflective of what's happening. But you don't want... 80% or more, 60% of that group that's under you to be cheating themselves. Now, that's the point I'm trying to make because, like it or not, there are students not really, they took architecture because 
you know, they, it's just, they're not really interested in being a designer because being a designer is the main crux of a good designer, a proper designer in terms of visualization and conceptualization is the crux of the way we think uh, what an architect should be. If there is no, if the architects are not precious or uh, defending this set of skills that they should acquire, the ability to design and visualize in from two D to three D in their minds, and and you know, if they don't they don't defend this this set of skills, then there is no need to have the architecture profession. By the way, yes, you have project managers, you have. Um, bill of quantities, uh, quantity surveyors, yeah, project managers, you have uh, building, uh, people who study building, they can conjure from any um, anything that they see around them. They can conjure that again and replicate that again. But what about innovation? What about new stuff? What about experimentation, exploration? Who's going to do that? That's why the architectural profession is important to be um, to be advancing or to be um, to be doing their own their, their thing that they do in this team of uh, built environment specialists out there. That's the relevance of the architect. Now, more and more, the architectural profession is more like illustrators, graphic artists, and commercial architecture is churning that up. So you have the square meters, the footages. The area, you know, and then you can conjure it up and speculatively you can design onto a plot using computer-aided design or whatever. Yes, that is true. That That's how the profession is turning out to be. The profession is, uh, is uh, dependent on what's happening to the market demands of what's happening out there. But... Where will that be? Where will that be going? That will make people think that 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 other people can take over the profession, or that the profession is obsolete. So if you think that, if you're thinking that well, then the profession is like that. That's how the profession is. You just dress it up with uh, plants and green vertical. Um, solutions and it has to be made with a lot of money but when it comes to innovation and cl climate change and and um, challenges that put up to the to the built environment to the cities to to the to to um, communities and the adaptation and so on you need professionals that are able to visualize in a way that has a sense of uh, a sense the you know the sensory, using all the senses, using all the ideas in phenomenology, ideas in um, uh, ideas in interdisciplinary. So these, how do the how do these professionals become what they are? They gain confidence because they can actually deal with other people in um, the profession. Sorry, in the built environment professions up against uh, project managers who say, well, you have to do this, well, I have to do it because you have these certain things that we need to have, you know, the architecture has to get it right. So the beautiful architecture, the architecture that um, create good feelings, happiness, you know, architecture that actually resolves certain problems ideologically, 
you know, uh, deal with sensibilities and materials, proportions and all this, that, that comes about from the second year or the first year. That comes about from people thinking it's important. That comes about, I mean, if you have only 2% of the students like that, you have less of that. So that is not going to be good for the profession, isn't it? Because there's less of people with the same ideas and same skills. You don't have enough of that to go around. So if you turn it around, you have eight people out of 10 able to do that, able to um, innovate and deal with complexities, able to you have that basic school and expand on it, able to identify problems, the use of cases, are able to be having a learning brain and expand on the learning brain forever and ever. So then they're not only working on the survival brain, like I said, you know, not working only on on regurgitating the usual ideas. So so you'd want that. So you'd want architects to be leading the other uh, built environment professionals. It's fundamental. Uh, and it's something that, um, it's not something that I'm going to cook up just to create a controversy. I've seen, I've observed this and I'm concerned about it. And this is a small thing that's happening in the second year affects the rest of the quality of graduates. So, you know, Okay, they will pick it up. We will say, okay, yeah, uh, second year. Well, they will pick it up in fourth year and fifth year. I have taught people in the fifth year, and we had like a bunch of people, like 10 people, and only two person can actually design on the computer. <coughs> so we reckon uh, that they actually did manual drawings before, and they expanded it on the, on the computer-aided um, softwares later on because... From that knowledge to that knowledge, they were able to expand. But the others were were actually struggling with designing because they still want to use the computer and they were struggling. And um, so the skills, eventually they, they managed to do the complete the design thesis, but we are doubtful whether they are have the, the, the same confidence as the other two. And this is in the fifth year. So we reckon that when they were in the first, second, and third year, they were doing computers too early or they were not expanding on their manual drawing skills. So, yes, this is my observation, my analysis. I've podcasted it. And I think I've gone as far as I can in terms of illustrating it verbally through a podcast. Um, obviously, we can have a good session sitting down and analyzing a lot of things, all these things in like a proper exhibition space or identifying which student actually know how to design. Because I've seen students who know how to design compared to an A student. People gave them the A student A. Yes, the work is complete. That's why he's given an A. But there's this, this student who does, who did the plan better than the A student. So this student have a little bit less than the A student, obviously. So this student get a B plus. Now, I wouldn't want to argue about a, the difference between A and B plus in this session. But what I'm trying to say is that we don't acknowledge it. We don't acknowledge the real debate 
the real things that we need to acknowledge in the school's curriculum. So we need to actually have these discussions. We don't have these discussions. We're not helping ourselves and we're not helping the students when we are ignoring this issue. So I'm not conjuring this up for the sake of podcasting. This is a real problem. And um, why I'm talking about this is because I'm, this is my content for my book, Talk Architecture. Um, and um, so that will be in progress. However, um, hopefully some people will pick it up. Some people will realize about it and they would actually do a proper architecture cur- curriculum in their universities. And there's something else I want to add because I was invited to be an expert, um, expert, uh, expert, I don't know what, you know, retiree academician or something uh, on hybrid teaching. I actually don't believe in hybrid teaching. Um, I don't like the word. I don't like that, you know, you, you can come out with an example that you can do, um, you know, like a model that you can do and you follow that model uh, that fits for all, you know. No, it depends on you. Uh, some people could do very well face-to-face teaching. Some people could do very well um, online teaching. And um, and for architecture, it depends on the talent of the master or the tutor. And in particular instances... For example, detailed design and design development is very effective on the online teaching in Zoom. It is. And other people could listen in as well. Just say you have 10 students and the other 10 students, uh, 9 students are listening in to this person's design development and detailed design. They would learn a lot. But if you were to do it face-to-face, only one or two persons might listen in, the others won't. So, and another thing is they can't really see what you're sketching in the student and your explanation. What is good for face-to-face uh, face is possibly, possibly because they can feel you, that you are a real person, and that, um, that, that, that social synergy, that energy, they can feel you better when you're, um, rather than online. So I'm not saying that... Um, uh, so do the lecturers realize this? Because some lecturers, they don't agree with this. But um, so, you know, I don't like to say hybrid teaching is the way or whatever, you know. Um, and another thing is when you teach um, subjects other than studio, um, the traditional lecture could even be better online but the way we do it online, if like, for example, 30 minutes to 40 minutes lecture, people will get kind of fed up with it. And you have to do it in a certain way online, maybe six minutes bites, you know, like a particular lecture. Just say you're giving a lecture on um, modern architecture and usually you give it 40 minutes. So uh, 40 divided by six, how much is that, right? Yeah. So you have about eight episodes of um, six minutes chunk, something like that, just on modern architecture. And then on a sweet time, students have the chance to go and tune in and learn. And the way they learn is through, there is some feedback about what they 
they they listen to the six minutes review uh, or talk on modern architecture, for example. So there are all these things happening, and uh, I just added this to to state categorically that I'm very much into social media and very much into uh, uh, what do you call it, a digital application and softwares. And doesn't mean that if I do not know how to do computer-aided drawing that other people don't do as well, no. But manual drawing techniques is essential for architects to master. And this is the topic for today. The survival brain versus the learning brain for students of architecture. Thank you.